I've said it once, probably I've said it a thousand times. I love the book of Joshua because it, it gives us the heart of Jesus to lead us into everything that he has for us. And that is a life of victory and a life of dominion. Amen? As a pastor through the years, I have struggled so many times by seeing people that love Jesus, but yet they were struggling and, and were unable to live a life of victory. Now, I'm not talking about a perfect life because we live in a fallen world where bad things happen, even to good people, difficult things. We, wait, we have battles that we face. We're always going to have battles. Even when you become a Christian, you're going to have intense battles because there's a real enemy that Jesus said comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But he said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundant. So I claim that for, for every one of us today, that that life more abundant is a victorious life. It's a, it's a life where we have dominion in this world. And we've, we've read scriptures and laid that foundation. But today we're going to look at a, at a passage of scripture, the fifth chapter, and something unusual takes place there. It doesn't quite make sense if we think about it logically the way that uh, human thought would take us to think. So God asked them to do something here that is, seems to be contrary to the goal that they have. And, it, and it's teaching us a great lesson there. That opportunism isn't necessarily what God has laid before us and we need to live a life of obedience. Are you with me? So let's read this fifth chapter and then we'll dive into it today. Verse 1, chapter 5, Joshua. So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we, until we had crossed over, that their heart melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. Now, someone saw the miracle of God besides the Israelites because word had spread to all these other neighboring kingdoms that God did a great miracle for this, these Jewish people and they walked across on dry land and it brought fear into the hearts of all the enemy. And that's my prayer. I want to live a life that experiences the wonderful miracles of God where that the enemy will be afraid at what God's going to do through my life. Amen? And when we surrender to him and we let him have his way, we live that life where the enemy is literally afraid of what God can do through your life. Let's look at the next verse, verse 2. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourself and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them, all the people who came out of Egypt, who were males, all the men of war, 
had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. For all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all, all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. God wanted them to understand that every generation needs that covenant relationship with the Lord. We're not going to enter into the victories that God has for our lives and possess the things He wants us to possess and accomplish what He wants us to accomplish based on what our parents did and their covenant with God. Every one of us needs a present covenant with God. Amen? My children know that. I've taught them that. I've preached that for years and years and years. I thank God for my grandparents on both sides of my family. They had a covenant with God. They were ministers of the love and the life of Jesus. But I knew that that wasn't going to get me to heaven. That wasn't going to allow me to live in victory. That wasn't going to allow me to accomplish everything that God had for me. If I was going to live that victorious life, I had to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? And that's what God is pointing out here. He's saying this young generation grew up in the wilderness. Their parents had made that covenant sign saying they, they, they were walking and committed with God. But the ones that grew up, they didn't have that sign of the covenant. And so God says, before you can enter in and possess this land, you need to get back to basics. And you need to realize this generation needs to have that covenant relationship. Church, that is so important in the time we live in. We can't just come to church and love Jesus ourselves and say, God, I'm going to live in victory and my life's just submitted to you. We have to be concerned about the next generation and what they're going to experience as they're growing. That's why my heart goes out to all of our children in our children's church and even in our nursery. They begin to teach them in, nursery, in our nursery school about Jesus. And in our teen program, Will gives 100%. And in our young adults, and in our life groups, every area of the church, it's all about your relationship with Jesus. Amen? Amen. We know that the Bible says that there are difficult times ahead. It's very evident in Scripture. But he tells us not to fear, and he tells us we have to abide in him. Amen? That's the answer. So I challenge you, if you're not teaching your children or your grandchildren the importance of a personal relationship with Christ, start now. Start now. Let's go on. Verse 6. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed. Because they did not obey the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers, that he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 7, then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised up in their place, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp 
till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of this place is called Gilgal to this day. Gil- Gilgal means rolling away. And what, what that has to do with, he was cutting off the past uh, connection with Egypt. He's saying, it's severed today. You're going forward. You're going into what I have planned for you. You're going into a land flowing with milk and honey. You're going to have houses you didn't build. Amen. You're going to have vineyards you didn't plant. He said, I'm blessing you. And church, that's what God wants for us. He he wants to cut off the, the things of the past where we're connected to the old man or the old life and he wants us to go forward into all the fruitful things he has for us. Amen, are you thankful for that? Now look at verse, verse uh, 10. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. This was the longest miracle in Scripture. For 40 years, God provided manna, manna in the morning. And it stopped here. Now I want you to think about this. They were in the land. They had experienced a great miracle of God by crossing the Jordan River. It dried up. They had, they had gone forward, and they were in the land. And how many of us would want to just stop and do our happy dance? We made it. We're here. Right? We've arrived. We're in, in the land that God promised us. No longer are we eating manna. Now we're eating the fruit of what God had promised us. But church, it wasn't the end. In fact, it was just the beginning because now they were going to have to go in and battle to possess what God had for them. Church, you're not going to possess everything that God has for you in this life unless you're ready to battle the enemy. There is an enemy that will always rise up and try to hinder what God has for you. He comes, as I mentioned before, to steal, kill, and destroy But Jesus has promised us that abundant life. But church, you can't stop. Once you have a a miracle, it's our tendency, our human tendency to just stop and say, oh yeah, i got to do my happy dance. Right? You're not impressed with my happy dance, are you? (laughs) But that's that's our tendency, isn't it? Right? But there was a battle. They were in the, in the shadow of Jericho. They, they didn't have a clue what they were facing because Jericho had 30-foot tall walls surrounding about seven acres of the city. 
There was no way for them to penetrate that on their own. They, they were going to face a battle and they again, they were going to need another miracle from God. Just because you receive a miracle from God doesn't mean that you're not going to turn around and need another one. Amen? So God was preparing them to live a life where they were ready for miracles when they needed one. Now let's think about this. Let's go back. Israel had crossed the Jordan. They experienced that miracle. But now they were going to need another miracle. Look at verse 1. Their heart melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. So the miracle had gotten out to their enemies. And the enemies were afraid. Now think logically, what would be the next step? Joshua was a great military leader. In fact, there are schools of military science that still look at Joshua and, and the way that he led Israel as a great general, and they study Joshua even to this day. Logically, what was the next step? The enemy was afraid. They had the enemy on the run. The enemy didn't want to fight them. And so, norm, what would be our normal stance? Let's go get them. Right? Woo. I'm getting excited, I guess. Right? We're going to go forward. We're going to go and we're going we're to take it. But that's not what God called them to do. God's, God says, no, we're not going to do that right now. I want everybody to come and we're going to circumcise all the men. That made totally no sense. Think about it. If the enemy knew that, it would be the obvious time for the, minute, minute, the enemy to attack. Because all the men were laid up. But God had a plan. And as I mentioned a moment ago about the opportunism, church, sometimes there are opportunities that come our way that God doesn't intend for us to take. I've, I've spoken with people in the past that they got a promotion and it seemed, oh yeah, this is an answer to my prayers. We're, we'll have a, a nicer house and We'll have better this and better that. And, but they didn't, they didn't pray about it. They just jumped on it and said, obviously, this is, this is God just wanting to bless me. But that promotion took the father farther and farther out of church, farther away from the family. And over a period of years, the family disintegrated. So do you think that opportunity was really from God? And that's the point I'm trying to make. Some things seem so obvious and, and that we think, oh, this, this has to be from God. So I'm, and we just jump without praying. And we need to listen to the Lord and we need to be obedient rather than just jump at the opportunity. Amen? In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, it says, Now all these things happened to them as examples. 
And they were written for our admonition upon the ends upon whom the ends of the age have come. I, I quote that quite frequently. I read that because we always need to look at what takes place in the Old Testament as examples of what God wants to do in our lives. Are you with me? Amen? So is this telling us that we need to stop and be circumcised? Yes, it is. But not in the way that we probably think. I want us to to think about this. There's something for us to learn by the example of Israel's conquest in the land. God calls them to circumcision before they could take the land. Circumcision always cuts away at the location of promised life flow. I want you to think about that. When we, when we think about circumcision, it seems such a bizarre seal or sign of, of a covenant relationship with God. And I want, I've got some notes here in my Bible I, I want to read, with, read to you. In circumcision, God was laying a knife to the root of their identity. Our identity is in Christ. What he is making us to become. But the world says we must build an image by our social skills, our dress, etc. So the world says this is how you build life. This is what you, what you do. This is how you go about it. But God says no. Our identity is in Christ. Amen? Secondly, circumcision cuts to the core of our, our creativity. Our greatest creative gift is life. The Lord wants to remove the reproach of sin from our creative possibilities. And third, the Lord cuts to the root of our privacy. There are no secrets from God. All of those things become evident when we, when we think about circumcision. Abraham was the first. He began that covenant sign with God, but it wasn't his idea. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, it says, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoicing in Christ Jesus and no confidence in the flesh. That's what it has to do with. Circumcision is still important today, but not physically like the Old Testament covenant But spiritually, we need God to remove the flesh and we need to be spiritual people. Amen? We need to be spiritually minded people. Circumcision was a physical demonstration saying that Abraham, whatever has hindered the flow of life from you at the biological level, it's going to be removed and life can happen through you and the same thing takes place in our lives when we spiritually say lord i want you to circumcise my heart lord i want you to remove the flesh and that my mind is on spiritual things circumcision is mentioned three times in the bible in relationship to us it's, 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 
circumcision of the lips, circumcision of the heart, and circumcision of the ears. And I want us to think about that for just a moment. First of all, circumcision of the lips. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We need to understand that our lips need circumcision because we speak things that are of the flesh. I pray every Sunday when, I, when I'm going to address or every time I preach or teach, Lord, I don't want to say anything that doesn't come from you. Amen? I want to have life. I want to speak life into the people. And I never want to speak death. And that's what uncircumcised lips do. They speak death. And many of you may be here today and there may be a time in your life when you were growing up that someone spoke into your life words of death. They may have spoken and said something to you like you'll never amount to anything or I didn't want you or you're no good. Those type of words are words of flesh. Those are words of death. And they hinder us and they wound us. But church, I want you to know those words are not from the Lord. The words of the Lord bring life. They bring healing. They bring wholeness. Amen. And you are precious in His sight. He loves you. And He has a plan for your life. Don't ever forget that. So church, I'm going to invite you today to join me and say, Lord, I want you to circumcise my lips that my lips speak life and not death. Amen? Whether, whether it's your work, you can turn the atmosphere around where you work or at school, wherever you are at the majority of your day. Maybe it's home with the kids. You can speak life and speak what the Spirit of God lays in your heart and bring it forth and speak life and transform what's going on. You know what happens when we get into arguments and we start having relational issues we're not speaking life, we're allowing flesh to take hold and we begin to speak death and it brings destruction. You say, Pastor, this is a downer of a message. No, it's not! Because if we allow God to circumcise our lips and our heart and our ears, we're prepared to go forward and lay hold of all that God has prepared for us. Amen? And that's my heart for you. I don't want you to, to, to cross the Jordan and say, wow, I, did a, I, I, I had a great experience with the Lord. He did a miracle in my life. Oh, yeah, everything's going to be all right. And then you face Jericho. You face an army, an enemy that wants to take your life, and you don't have a clue as to how to gain victory. And, and you're stuck there. I want you to say, Lord, I have set aside time in my life for you. I want you to circumcise my, my lips and my ears, my heart. And Lord, I want to go forward and I want to take on Jericho and see the mighty hand of God bring another miracle into my life. Amen. 
There needs to be a cutting away of our lips spiritually. Moses recognized this in Exodus chapter 6 and verse 12. Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, The children of Israel have not heeded me. How then shall Pharaoh heed me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. He knew that he could speak and mess things up. He stammered, he stuttered, he wasn't eloquent. And this is a good, good message for you, Bruce. God needs to circumcise those lips that you never speak anything from the pulpit other than what he gives you in life. Amen. And I know that's your heart. Because guess what? It's easy for pastors to get into the flesh too and to speak things from the pulpit that hurt and wound instead of encourage. And I pray that never happens here. Now I didn't say challenge. Because I always want you to want to challenge you. But I always want you to receive life. Amen? Life. Also, our heart must be circumcised. Ezekiel in the Old Testament brings this truth forward. And in chapter 44 and verse 9, he says, Thus says the Lord God, no foreigner uncircumcised in heart or uncircumcised in flesh, shall enter my sanctuary, including any foreigner who is among the children of Israel. So he was telling them right there through the Holy Spirit directing Ezekiel that the outward sign of circumcision had to do with an inner work of God. It was, it was a sign saying that God had circumcised their heart. He didn't just want it to be a, a, a ritual in the flesh. He wanted it to be a covenant relationship where he circumcised the flesh from their hearts. That their heart was right in going forward in, in with God. I love that. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, 23, it says, Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. Keep your heart. It means guard your heart. Church, we need to guard our hearts. There's so much garbage in the world constantly coming towards us. Melinda and I were going to Anchorage yesterday to pick up some stuff at Costco. And all of a sudden... I hear her little phone get a ding-ding, and then mine got a ding-ding, and Michelle's got a ding-ding. And I thought, that is weird. And it was some garbage where they just send out to all these, we all have numbers that are in sequence. And all this garbage, you know, call this number, go to this webpage, and it's all about all that garbage of the world. Don't let that get entangled into your life. When you're walking a life that says, God, circumcise my heart, then you have that strength. Say, Lord, that fleshly stuff, I don't want it in my life. And you can go forward into the victories that God has for you. In verse 2, this, this is important in our text. God tells him to make flint knives for yourselves 
and circumcised the sons of Israel again the second time. I already addressed that the ones that grew up had to be circumcised. They had to have that covenant. But what I want us to see now is what does the flint knife represent? It represents the sword of the Spirit. It represents the Word of God. We need to have the Word of God coming into our hearts and lives every day. And I want to challenge you, church. I know that there, there are many, many Christians that have accepted the Lord, but they have never read God's Word. The only time they ever hear God's Word is when they come to church and they're they're, uh, spoon-fed by the pastor. Church, you need to know what the Word says. And the closer we get to the return of Jesus and this world is going to get more difficult, we're going to face difficult things, we have to be strong. And it's the Word of God that circumcises our hearts and keeps us pure and and going forward and ready for the next battle. Amen? You'll never be insensitive or unresponsive or careless concerning your heart and your relationship with the Lord if you're daily allowing God's Word to circumcise your heart. And I know sometimes there's difficult things that we read in the Word. Because it, it, it hits us right, right in the middle of the essence of who we are. We recognize, God, I'm not perfect. And there's things that you need to do in my life. And that's okay. Don't run from it, church. Embrace it. Welcome the Word of God to come and circumcise your heart so you're ready for the next battle. Two or three people like that. Okay. Church, that's truth. And some people don't like to be challenged today. And if you don't like to be challenged, I'm sorry, but you're in the wrong church. Because God's Word is challenging and we preach and we teach His Word. And we we allow His Word every day into our hearts and lives. You say, Pastor, I I just don't have time to to read two or three chapters, then read two or three verses, but read the Word of God. Amen? The Word of God will deal with any area of your life that needs to have the flesh dealt with so that life from God can flow. The heart has to do with going deeper. In Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7, it says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. God wants to go deeper than just our lips. He wants to circumcise our heart. He wants to cut away any fleshly things that have have begun to entrap our heart. God is not against your ambitions or your desires. I want you to listen to this. God isn't against your ambitions or desires if they are from Him. But if they're from the flesh, then we need to have them circumcised. Because church, we we may have an ambition or a great desire, but it's not what God has for us. It may be even a good ambition or a good desire, but if it's not from God, we don't want it. Are you with me? Bruce is a perfect example. 
I'm picking on him today. He's been studying for several years to get his credentials to become a, a minister. And he, he, we thought about other churches that were open for him, and, and we thought this would be a good fit for you. I remember even a couple of years or more talking to him, and he would say, well, this little church is an AG church, and it's, it's open, and what do you think about that? And we, we would discuss it, and, and, but it wasn't God's timing, and it wasn't the right church. And then all of a sudden, as he, he kept having godly ambitions, God, I want to be where you want me. I want to do what you want me to do. And Lord, here I am. So he, he kept, even though it wasn't in his timing, he wanted to make sure that his ambition was from God. And so God opened up the right door at the right time. And that's what I want, I want to get through to us. Are your ambitions from God? Are your heart's desires from God? If your heart's circumcised, yes, they will be. God wants us to be ambitious, but he wants us to be ambitious about what he wants for us. Are you with me? Amen, amen. When, when Melinda and I were asked to come to Wasilla, we were perfectly happy. We had a, a, a log home that overlooked the river in Nanilchik, and she was two or three minutes from the school. She had her, a job in the school she loved. The church was growing. We built a new auditorium. I, I was pastoring Anchor Point, and I was overseeing Nanilchik. That church was healthy and doing good. Everything was, was going good, and we were just happy. And then all of a sudden, the district officials Brother Bill spoke to me and said, I need to talk to you about Wasilla. And, and what was funny, God, just a few days before that, when Melinda and I were going to bed and we laid down and we were talking and, you know, we were talking about how God had blessed us and how we loved the people in the church and how things were going good. And, and you know, both of us said, you know, We'd be, we'd be happy to stay here until we can't pastor any longer. And, and I said, you know, is there any place that you would even consider going? Is there any other, other area of the state? I mean, we've been in southeast and I loved Wrangell and the beauty there, but it rained all the time. <laughs> And I said, now we're on the peninsula and we're not in the big city. I said, I don't really care for the big city. I don't like, I don't think I'd really like Anchorage or fit in there. And both of us kind of looked at each other and said, maybe Wasilla. I said, Wasilla isn't the city, but it's close to the city. And at the time I had no idea, and she didn't either, that there was going to be an opening in Wasilla. But the only place that we even possibly considered to go was Wasilla. Do you think God was moving? Do you think that desire, that ambition was starting because God had something new for us? That's what I'm talking about, church. 
You may be perfectly happy. You may be settled. You may think, God's in this and this is going great. And God may upset your apple cart and say, hey, I've got something new. Amen? And it's not going to be worse. It's going to be new. It's going to be better. It's going to be something that I'm calling you to do. A new heart, a new ambition to go forward. That's what I'm talking about. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, Scripture says, In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. As long as you're acknowledging Him, saying, Lord, You are God, You are in control, You're going to guide and direct my life, I'm just going to follow wherever You take me. Guess what? You're going to be on God's path for your life. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen was preaching the message that he was going to be stoned for. And in that message, in in verse 51, listen to what he says. He says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Uncircumcised in heart and ears. So the third area I want us to think about is our ears. And and not so much, yes, physically, the things we listen to, they do affect us. We're like a computer. If you got garbage coming in, there's going to be garbage going out. And, And raising our kids, Melinda and I, you know, we grew up in a time of rock and roll and and uh, in Texas, we grew up in, in the area of nothing but country music. I mean, you could hit 10 stations on the radio dial, and nine of them would be country music. And I don't have anything against country music as long as it lines up with Scripture. I don't have anything with rock and, against rock and roll if it lines up with Scripture. But the point is, when, when our children begin to grow... We made the decision, both of us, we talked about it, and we said, we're not going to have our kids growing up listening to this stuff. Not all of it was bad, but you never knew when they were going to put something in there that was. So we, we cut off all the country music, all the rock and roll, and we began to listen only to Christian music. And there weren't a lot of Christian music stations back then. Christian, I'm dating myself. There weren't, you know, now we've got two or three right here. But there weren't a lot of stations. So, so I took a cassette tape. Most of you don't know what that is. <laughs> and I would make my own mix. And I would, you know, record my favorite Christian groups and and then we'd put it in the car and we'd travel and we'd have constant Christian music and so I want to challenge you as parents to guard what you hear amen but more than that I'm talking spiritually your spiritual ears are are you are you hearing the voice of God is God speaking to you is he directing you Because that's what this is really talking about, not just our physical ears, because there are people that have been deaf all their life, but they spiritually can hear the voice of the Lord guiding and directing and speaking to them. A progressive circumcision is what needs to take place in our lives. 
Because the fleshly things always want to come back. They always want to take hold of our lips. They always want to take hold of what we hear. Block sensitivity to the Spirit of God that speaks to us. And and that flesh wants to come around our heart and hinder us from what God has for us. And so church, I just want want to end with this thought. In verse 9 it says, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. This speaks of a removal of whatever was attached to their lives from their old life. He was severing what Egypt, that connection that was still there. He was severing it for good. And church, I want you to know, when God severs that flesh and that connection from your old life, it is severed for good. Amen? God doesn't do it halfway. The only way that flesh is going to try to come back, but the only way that fleshly influence can come back is if we allow it. If we give into it, if we coddle it, if we don't keep that heart that says, Lord, circumcise my lips, circumcise my heart, Lord, circumcise my ears. I want the worship team to come. And the main thing I want us to see in this message is, church, God had a heart to give them miracle and victory over their enemy time and time and time again. But he had to stop them before they went into battle and he had to prepare them. He had to prepare that they were going to speak life. He had to prepare them that their heart was going to be filled with his word and what he had for them, his plans, and that they were hearing sensitive from him and what was flowing spiritually in their spiritual ears was going to strengthen their hearts. And so church, when we address this subject, it's not a downer subject. It's a subject that says, Lord, I am taking the promises in your word. Lord, I welcome you to circumcise my lips that I speak life wherever I go. Lord, circumcise my heart that it's ready for the next battle, ready for the next miracle, ready for the next victory in Jesus. And Lord, circumcise my ears, Lord, where I can hear from the Spirit and be led and guided by the Spirit because you're going to face battles and I'm going to face battles but the battle belongs to the Lord and just like this battle his hands were around them he protected them while they got things right in their covenant relationship with him and then they were ready to face the next battle which was Jericho let's stand would you